0: scripture reading today comes from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. Let us hear God's word. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negeb. This is the word of the Lord. At this
1: time, I'd like to ask all the children, this is your chance to go to Children's Church. So volunteers today of Jamie, Mr. David, and Ms. Ingrid, they'll be going to Jenks Hall. We'll see you after worship. So in this time of uh, New Year, second week, uh, we had a wonderful worship last year with La Habra Hills Presbyterian Church. Uh, we Start the New Year meditating on 2 uh, Corinthians 517, uh, the new creation. And as we gather here to continue on in this new year, we pray that 2023 will be a year where we'll get closer to the Lord. I don't want to say 2023 may be a blessed, a happy year because who knows what tomorrow brings. But with God walking with us through this year, that's all that we need. And we know his faithfulness goodness carries us. So as we could journey on to 2023, I wanted to open up with this theme of God's calling. And next week, in the next two weeks, we'll be installing and ordaining our new ruling elders and deacons. Um, and it's also a good time to meditate on what, what is God calling me to do in my life. So just as an introduction of this, I wanted to start with this topic of myths there are some myths when we talk about the call of God when we think about a call of God so I have five myths there's so many of them but here's some myths that we usually see here. So when we think about a calling from God uh, we think a calling from God is a dramatic epiphany of God. So for example, you don't feel called unless you get a burning bush or you get a uh, struck by light on the road to Damascus. We don't think we get a call it's a myth. Unless God makes it dramatic and loud. So, so I grew up, uh, I met many pastors who said, you know, I became a pastor because I was in a car accident. I was a gang member. And the car turned upside down and I was dying. And I said, God, if you would spare my life, I will give my life to you. And, and God did. And so I grew up thinking, oh, that's how you become a pastor or get a calling. And I'm, I want to not disappoint you, but the truth is, God's call comes in very mundane ways to very dramatic ways. Second myth, God's call is only about me. A lot of times we say, you know, what's God's calling in my life? What, is it, what does he want for me? And so the myth and the error is that we exclusively make it just so about us. It's a little narcissistic. You know, I don't want to be a pastor because I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a missionary or I don't want to be a politician in God's name. And so... The myth is that we make the calling only about me when God is thinking something bigger. So another myth. It's for those going into full-time ministry like pastors, missionaries, and church leaders. One of the biggest myths of God's call is you only get a calling when God wants you to become a full-time something. So in Korean church, this is a true story. Parents used to deter youth pastors from praying over their kids to become full-time pastors. Because they want them to become doctors or successful businessmen so they used to say no you know we want we don't want god's call for their life and the reality is there's two errors with that if god calls god's gonna call (laughs) two is not all of god's call is a rededication of your entire upheaval life moving moving and going so you have a calling if you're a business owner some of you are going to hollywood some of you may be going into medical field these are callings. And so God is calling us into different aspects. Myth number four, calling of God will lead me to misery, destitute, poverty, and suffering. And I will say, highly likely, but not always. Because I, I, I'm not going to discount that. But some of us, we assume if I receive God's call, it will automatically mean misery. I will say, though, highly likely. <laughs> Highly like you're going to suffer, struggle. Uh, somebody recently asked me, are you happy to be a pastor? And I said, no, I'm not happy here. I'm not here because I'm happy. I'm here because God wants me here. There's a difference. I mean, do you want people to, you know, nag you, talk at you, you know, lie? Oh, this, who wants to be in a church leadership? Unless God calls you. And so... The call of God will not always lead to misery, but it is a challenge. So just last myth. God calls us when we are ready. That's a myth. Um, today we're going to talk about Abraham, and Abram, did you know, was an idol worshiper. Abram's dad was an idol worshiper. God called Abram, not when Abram was worshiping the, mono- the monotheistic God. God called Abram right where he was, and for some reason, Abram said yes. Abram was not ready. In fact, later on, he lied about his wife twice. So God calls us not when you are ready. God calls you when he feels in his sovereign wisdom he wants to call. So these are five myths. So let's turn into it. and look just a few different different types of uh, calls. You know, disciples were called by Jesus. They were fishing, and he said, follow me. Uh, Noah was just hanging out, righteous man, and God said, build an ark. Uh, Mary and Joseph, name him Jesus, you will have, give birth to the Messiah. And Saul, what God said to him was, why do you persecute me? You know, blinded him. <laughs> that was a little dramatic. So we have different types of calls, but I want to say there are two general calls, and you all will receive them. You ready? Here's the first one. Everyone has a general call. Every human being in this world. Every person is called by God. Uh, Romans 8, 29 says, um, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This is God inviting all people to be saved in Christ, to be made new creations. Um, the Greek word for church. Just curious, anybody know what's the Greek word for church? It's, so it's, it's a it's a cool word. I love this word, uh, ecclesia. Can you say ecclesia? So ecclesia has two different definitions. One is it's a gathering. That's all it. Is. So church is not a building. Church is not a Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, non denominational. The wave, the hype church is It's not a name. Church is a gathering, but The second, if you iterize that definition, it's kind of cool. It's literally a called out assembly. In other words, it's a gathering of people that have been called out of something and into something else. So Christians are those who have received the call of Christ to turn from sin, to turn from their selfishness, to turn from darkness and death and turn to Christ, turn to God. And we've been plucked out by his mercy, by the blood of Christ. So we are the church. You are the church. Not because you made a membership here, but because Jesus Christ's blood covers you. And so we are recipients of a great call. Each of you have been called here. Not to this church in La Mirada, but into the body of Christ universal. And this is why when we do communion, on World Communion Sunday, we recognize all over the world we are one body because of jesus christ so this is a general call and what that means is each of us have said yes to we will turn from sin we will turn to christ we will heed god's word and obey it and follow it we will serve in the church we will proclaim the good news of jesus christ till the day he comes and we this is how we will live to bless others each of you are here each of you is here because you have received that calling And so this calling is for the world to uh, come to Christ, and this is why we see that in Romans 10, that all people who proclaim the name of Christ will be saved. So there's a general calling, but there is also this calling that each of you will get uniquely. Uh, I don't think anybody in here, despite the rain in California, has received a call to build an ark in Whittier, California. I don't think so. That's for Noah. I don't think any of you got a calling to change your name. I changed my name, but that wasn't from God. My Korean name was Hongsuk. I became legalized Jason because that's a long story. Anyway, so each of us has a calling. So you have received a general calling, and you have a unique individual calling. It's not a matter of do I have a calling, it's a matter of what is God's call at this time, in this moment. And so individual calling, we see that in Paul says in Ephesians, right after the wonderful statement about we are saved by grace through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Right after that, Paul says in Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You've been created, called out collectively and individually for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should w- walk in them. And so here's a wonderful part. And every book on calling hits on this theme. You ready for this? God uses your background, your education, your brokenness, your failures, your successes, your uniqueness. All as part of your unique calling for where he's leading you to. So those failures and brokenness and your family background, your culture, they're not accidents. Uh, I never, I never, I'm not sure if I told you this, but you know how God prepared me for La Mirada? He prepared me in 1986 for La Mirada in this one unique way. So I was a newspaper boy in New Jersey, 6th grade, delivering 50 newspapers a day, and about 70 on Sundays, by myself. I was this, like, 90-pound kid pulling a cart full of newspaper. And, you know, you wanted to get the nice houses in New Jersey. They pay the big tip, I mean, the big houses, and my work lady, my, my boss, she gave me a job at a nursing home. A building where all the senior citizens were. And I said, no. I don't want to, oh. And I, you know, it's a young, immature kid, why do I want to go to a you know, place where just old people are? God's blessing was so cool. One, it was the best job. You know why? Once you went into the hallway... You didn't have to go, go across the street. Everything is just down the hallway. You just drop off the paper. Two, it made me learn, and I met so many elderly men and women who imprinted on me as veterans of war, successful business people, people whose families were disconnected, or people who just were so joyful in faith, that imprinted on me so that when I came to this church in 2009, it was like, Oh. I know this community. (laughs) And so it's amazing how God weaves all these things together for your unique call. So what you're going through now may not make sense. But what you're going through now can be part of God's sovereign plan for the future. That's exciting. And so keep living faithfully that you have a unique calling. And we don't know how God may put it together until that time comes. So I wanted to look at Genesis 12. And we, as we read through Abram's call, there are some cool things we learn about God's call from Genesis 12. So let's look at a few. So if you want to take notes, these are some things that you might want to jot down. So number one, what we see in every call, especially in Abram, is this. Calling will always have a cost. In other words, God will never call you and you could have your cake and eat it too. Meaning everything you have and you want it will stay with you as you go there's always going to be loss in fact whenever there's love there's always a loss and so verse one let's read it together now the lord said to abram go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land i will show you abraham knew exactly what god is asking of him leave your familiar country. Leave your entire household, your cousins, your, cu- your uncle, your aunts. Leave your, leave your family and then just leave your dad. That's a big challenge, man. Uh, I live in West Garden Grove and they, they call that old money town. So many homes are generation after generation. They've been living there for 80 years. I think La Mirada is like that. But it takes something. I know some of us in our church, who moved from Wyoming, who moved from Oklahoma back in the 50s or 60s. And that's a big change. But when there's a call from God, God will take care of your needs. But there will always be some sort of cost. But here's the good news. Why is God removing all of our security? God is saying, Abram, I want you to know I will be your security. I will be your family. I will be all that you need in this new journey. There's always a cost, and the cost could be costly, but God is saying, here's a trade-off. I'm going to go with you. And so this is costly only to the people who are saying, I want to keep all the things in my life just the way it is. Don't mess it up, God. It's costly to you because, boy, it's, it's going to be a tug and pull. But for those who trust in God, this becomes... Oh, that's a big move. But if you say so, I will go. The calling of God is almost never easy. And so people are like, you know, being an elder is hard. What did you expect? <laughs> you know, being a leader of a, of a Cub Scouts is hard. What did you think? Isn't every leadership costly and hard? When you follow God... It's going to be tremendously hard. But the goal of our life is never to seek ease and comfort, is it? I mean, is that the Christian life? Trust in Jesus and always find and do whatever is easy and convenient for you? Is that the call of the Bible? Or does Jesus say, you know, birds have nests, foxes have holes, but the ones who follow me, there's no place to rest his head. This is the call of God. But the fact is that God goes with us. He becomes all that we need. That's what makes it beautiful. So second, what we learn from Genesis 12 is God will work in you when you respond to his call. So I, we need to re- like ring that in. Let's read it together. Genesis 12 too. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Who's the main subject of this? God. I will what? make you great i will make bless you abram's job is just to let god work in him god didn't say go to seminary work your tail off get a job work hard learn the skills of building a new temple god didn't do that god said just go i am going to be the one working in you that's cool now we need to remember that because if god is calling us and he's going to do all the hard work what's our job Get in the passenger seat and let God drive and go. So this is what God does. God is the one that's doing all this. Henry Blackaby, we did Experiencing God a few years ago. He has this quote. The reality is that the Lord never calls the qualified. He qualifies the called. The Lord never calls the qualified. He qualifies the called. So the most important part here is God's calling. And God will lead us and build you up into that. So if some of us are thinking like, oh, boy, that, that guy memorized the Bible. He's serving hard. He's pastor material. Possibly. But God could pick that runt. The guy who has, seems like he's got no skills or the lady who's got no talent. And God's going to say, that's the one I want to do great things through. So everyone knows it's my power. Here's a third one. Uh, we must determine to obey God's call even before the call comes. What does that mean? Um, in Genesis 12, 3, and 4, this always strikes me. Uh, God says, I will bless you, those who bless you, I will, and, and him who dishonors you, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 4, can we read it together? So Abram went as the Lord had told him. I always found that to be the, one of the most unrealistic verses in the whole Bible. God says, Leave your family and go. And Abraham left. <laughs> I wish there was a little bit more, right? Abram wrestled. He talked to his wife Sarai. Abram went to his dad. Abram fasted for 100 days <laughs> or something like that. But it says, What? Abram took off. Now, this is my interpretation. This part, I'm taking a little license. When do you decide a big decision like this? Possibly one is when the decision comes to you and says, hey, do you will you respond to God's call? And you say, I will. Or, this is my thinking. What we may not know is Abram already had this fear of the Lord. And he was simply ready for the right time that God was saying, go. Which is why Abram said, he went. In other words... The decision to follow God's call doesn't happen when you get the call. It is predetermined right now to say whether you're 18 or whether you're 88, if God wants to do whatever he desires, I will say yes. If God wants me to do whatever he calls me to do, I will say yes. That decision has to be made now. And so we call that obedience. What does it call when you respond to God's call and say yes? Obedience. When you don't respond, it's called disobedience. Obedience is not just following God's word, it's simply saying, God, when we see and hear the clarity of your word, no matter what come may, I will go. So why don't we obey God's word and why don't we have a calling? And I'm going to say this, and you can write me letters. I don't think some of us are not living into our call, not because you don't have a call, but because you are disobedient in your call. This is the way Paul writes in Romans. Because the outlook of the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to the law of God, we don't want to submit to God, nor is it able to do so, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. In other words, why are we not following God's call? You love your flesh too much. You love your life the way it is. You have a call. You're just not living it because it's too hard. I'm too tired. I don't know if I could do it. But remember, it's not your abilities why God's calling you. God is qualifying those who he calls. And so the decision to trust God and obey God and to accept God's invitation has already been decided. This is how Jesus says it. Remember, Jesus says, uh, if you... You know, you know, Jesus, I'll follow you, but let me bury my dad first. Let the dead bury their dead. You follow me. Jesus, I just bought all these animals for my business. Jesus says, you know, if you can't turn from that, you can't be my disciple. What is Jesus saying here? The call is, trust me, obey me, and follow. Last fourth, a calling is fueled by worship. This is so important. Um, verse 7 and 8. This is small, so let me read it. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord. Huh. Who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country of the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord twice and called upon the name of the Lord. What's up with these altars? Uh, Friends, did Abram have a temple at this time? Did Israel have a temple? No. Did they have a church building at this time? No. What's the purpose of an altar? It's a physical marking to say, this is the place for the Lord. We are the Lord's. So Abram, wherever he went, he established a physical visual of worship. The point here is, worship has to fuel the motivation of this calling. In other words, the calling is not to a task. The motivation is to glorify God. That's how you maintain your joy. There is no pastor that I know who genuinely, honestly, will say, pastoring has been so awesome. It has refreshed my soul. You will all, I, if you meet a pastor like that, I want to meet him. or I never met that. But I have heard pastors say this. Pastoring stinks. Church is hard. But God refreshes my soul. God is beautiful. The Lord Almighty is faithful. Worship drives the call. We get so caught up with the task, we forget worship. In other words, you could be a praise leader, a Bible study teacher, an elder, and forget God. Because you're busy with the church. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. You could get so busy with running the church, the call as an elder, deacon, pastor, that you forget the glory, the beauty, the holiness, the wonder of God. Build an altar. What does that mean? Worship regularly. I don't know how I can be a Christian and not gather with other believers to sing, Almighty Fortress is Our God, or, you know, How Great Thou Art. I, can't, I, don't, I need to worship God to remind myself we need this community of saints. Lastly, this is the final one. God's call will bless those we don't even know. Did Abraham know who he's going to bless? He had no clue billions and billions and billions would be touched. By his obedience, he did not have a clue. One day, how many of you want to see Abraham when you go to heaven? He's one of those guys, I'm going to see Moses. I'm going to be like, yo, Moses, what's up with that? You know, how did you, what did it look like when you parted the sea? Um, I want to see David. Hey, how did you kill those lions? You know, Samson, what's up with you, man? Just um, so God's call will bless others we don't even know. And what God is saying to Abram is, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who bless you. And his blessing of Abraham, and you know this, is so that he can be a blessing to others. The objective of a call is never for you. You are not the ultimate aim of the call. So when you say it's a big decision, I'm not sure if I say it. If it's God's call, it's not about you. It is through you. It is with you. And that's humbling. But it is not about you. It is through you that God would be glorified. And that people that you don't even know will be blessed. I'm waiting for the day when I get to see Jesus Christ. And I want to meet people and You and I may get one of those people who came up to you and say, hey, I don't think you know me. But do you remember that time at Walmart you prayed for somebody? They were crying and you said, can I pray for you? That was my mom. She was so touched by that. She came home and she changed her life. She gave her life to Christ, brought us to church. And I would never have known the beauty of the living God without that. You did that. God used you for that. Now, that's fictional. But... Who knows if that doesn't happen every day because of our faithfulness. So the title of the sermon is this. God is calling you. Can you turn to the person next to you and say God is calling you? Just it's got to, Especially if, if they're sleeping, say it louder. Um, God is calling you. So yes, on the big level, everyone in the world is called by God to his family through Jesus Christ. This is why we have the Lord's Supper. Everyone has a call. Secondly, though. Everyone has a unique call. The church has a unique call. The church is not to make the members happy. That's why the churches are dying. You think the church membership is to make you happy. Sorry, the calls are costly. God is using the church to bless the world. And you are the main agents of that. Our calling is to turn from sin, turn to Christ. And be a blessing and proclaim this good news. And so your life in Christ will bless others. I want to end with this. Can you see it? Monday night, there was a football player. Um, He got tackled, Damar Hamlin. And I was amazed by the response of how the NFL, these big men, were just all shaken to the core. They came face to face with death. They saw the fragility of life. And you know, one of the reasons why they were so crushed was because Damar was such an incredible guy. I don't know what kind of Christian he is, but I know he's a believer. But Damar was one of those guys who everyone said was so positive that when they saw him not breathing and heart not beating, they were just broken and they canceled the game. And so, you know, he's breathing now and he's doing well. But Damar's life by the time he was 18 three of his best friends were killed by gang violence as he got older his father got sentenced to jail for 10 years for uh convicted of drug charges and this is what this is a 2021 interview of DeMar. and yet hamlin isn't living with any regrets he knows he wouldn't be the man he is today without all of these experiences right calling uses your background Every tragic death, every torturous practice, it all molded his perspective on life today. All gave him a real appreciation of life. Hamlet isn't sure he'd be as community-driven as he is today without so much heartbreak. Now listen to this. His purpose or call by God is clear. To spread love, to change lives. This is his words. It's all natural. It's all genuine from the heart. It's not even stuff I have planned out. It'll be things that just pop out in my head and I'm going to make sure it happens. I feel like that's God talking to me. I really feel like that's what my purpose is. That's why he put me here. That's why he made me make it to the NFL besides everybody that I lost. Everyone. That's why I'm the one. He knows my heart. He knows my intentions. It's all pure. That's really what I stand on, July 2021. And by his momentary death, God called him and he said yes, made it to the NFL, and you're seeing professional people who have blasphemed, cursed, turned from God, gathering at the middle of the football field praying to the name of the one true God. Damar planned this? All Damar said was, use me. When you say go, I will go. You have a calling. Do not be a pew or seat warmer. Be a kingdom building, God glorifying driver. God has called you for his purpose. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, you are amazing in all your ways. And it is not the pastors or the missionaries that are doing your call. You have called every single one of us, using every ounce of pain and brokenness to magnify and turn people's heart to you, to bless others, so that one day the whole world will worship you. God, in 2023, I'm not going to pray for comfort. I'm not going to pray for easy life because it's going to come either way. But what we will pray for, let me be in the middle of your will. And God, may you continue to walk with us because that's all we will ever need. Lord, if you are willing to die for us while we were still sinners, how much more will you walk with us, strengthen us, and provide as your children? This is good news, and this is why we're going to celebrate this communion, remembering that the presence of Christ is with us. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. What a holy moment that we get to share in the Lord's Supper together. That this is not just uh, pieces of bread and, and juice bought at bonds, <laughs> But as we pray together and recognize, come to this holy table, that the presence of Christ is with us through his spirit. And that we are strengthened. That we are reminded of our sinfulness. That we need to tr- turn to the grace of God. That we have a purpose. And so, Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he gathered with his disciples. And after giving thanks, he took the bread and he broke it. Saying, this is my body, broken for you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup. Saying, this is a new covenant, sealed in my blood, which was shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. As we take this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That he lived, he died, he rose again for our sins, to bring us into his family, to bring the whole world back to the way it's supposed to be. And that we proclaim also that he will return. And oh, glory it will be. Let me pray for us. God, prepare our hearts, even our bodies and our mind, that as we're about to receive these holy sacraments, your presence nourishes our faith that it reminds us of the forgiveness for all of our sins and even if the scars remain god that you will use it in some brilliant way to bring about goodness for your kingdom may everyone gathered here by faith receive it be encouraged be blessed that we could truly be a blessing to others Lord, meet us here in your name we pray. Amen.